Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, welcome to another week of Cinematics. It's a new week, bunch of new movies. This is Cinematics episode, my goodness, episode 199. And I'm trying to think how, how much I've grown for since 199 episodes, and I think I've only gotten worse. Oh, very little? About, about, about that much. About that much. Thank you, Eric Holmes, for that vote of, I guess that's confident. I, it was it looked small, but in proportion to my 5'7 frame, it's actually not, not so bad. I'm joined, yeah, I'm joined by my betters, Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky. Eric Holmes, how have you been doing the past week? We talked a little bit of personal stuff. I decided to mix it up for the first time in three three years, folks, and I actually asked Bruce and Eric how they're doing. How, how thoughtful. <laughs> I was just thinking, that's the first time I've actually talked to them about their lives. But I'm going to ask you again. How are you doing, Eric Holmes? Pretty good. Uh, I just was telling the off air, started working for Crazy Tony's Karaoke. And that's uh, incredibly fun. So if you're in the Colorado Springs area and you want to go to uh, Frankie's Pub on Powers on Thursdays or Sundays, I will be there. If you want to go downtown to Munchie's 719, I will be there as well on Saturdays. And most of the people here in this are not in Colorado Springs. So, uh, yeah, skip that part, I guess. <laughs> no, Eric, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to wear one of our cinematics uh, podcast merch, uh, findyourfilmpodcast.com. Find, you just wear one of our merch, like our, and it says cinematics, and then just fraternize with all the all the locals, all the people yeah. who are enjoying the music and the karaoke thing and and plug um, away. Yes, Eric. We, we we had a fun night at uh at Munchies. This probably wouldn't be fun for a lot of people, but for me it was. Uh, someone came up and did a, a Taylor Swift song. Mm-hmm. And I'm not familiar with her with her uh discography, so I don't know the names of the songs. I right. just pick a song and I, okay, and then someone else was like, Ooh, I like Taylor Swift. Can I do a Taylor Swift song? I'm like, yeah. And sign up. And then someone else came up. For like an hour, we did nothing but Taylor Swift songs back to back. And I'm like, well, they love Taylor Swift so much. The bumper music I'm playing in between karaoke songs is going to be Taylor Swift. So, uh, yeah, we had all the Swifties come in that day. And it was, uh, I, I think it might sound uh, obnoxious to most people, but it was pretty fun. Are you now a Swifty, Eric, after an hour and a half of listening to Taylor Swift stuff back to back? I, 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 I don't hate her. I don't love her. It's just kind of, you know, but, but they, they were having fun singing Taylor Swift songs. So I had fun watching them have fun. Okay. Very cool. Speaking of Swifties, Bruce Perky, how have you been? You, you, you've been, you know you've been me good? so well, you, you know, me <laughs> all too well, all you're, too well. The 10 minute version. <laughs> you're a total, I like the dry that's whip. Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, that's okay. oh, very, very good. Uh, maybe, maybe your kids, maybe your sons are fan are Swift Swifties. Or, or I, I, Swifters, Swifties, are, are they anyone in the household, the Porky household? Maybe my wife. Shit. My wife is. Uh, we have oh, all good. of the special edition vinyls. We have. When, okay, I don't know if you get Spotify. You know, at the year end, it tells you sure. your, statist- your statistics. Mm-hmm. And you think about well, there, Taylor Swift is like what the top, I think, top selling uh, woman artist of all time. So okay. at this point, something like that, very close. And my wife wasn't in like the top ten percent. 
of listens of Taylor Swift on Spotify. She was in the top 0.1%. Oh my goodness. So by default, Bruce, that makes you a person who listens to Taylor Swift, correct? And are you yeah. appreciate? Okay. She's listened, to appreci- all too, she's listened to All Too Well, that song, which I mentioned, 10 minute version, probably like, I think it came up and it said it was her most listened song last year. And it was like a hundred something times. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. 200. I don't know. Guys, I have a special request. Okay, this is episode 199. Next week on episode 200, Eric Holmes, can you break the news? Who's actually going to join us next week, Eric Holmes? Do you know? Yes, James Cameron. Or, oh, no, Anderson Cowan. I, Anderson I was in the two mix up, but uh, I, I, I prefer the latter anyway. You pray, yeah. I, Yes, I prefer. I, I love them both. And I, I love Anderson. Are you excited? Are, are you guys excited with Anderson Cowan joining the show for just for a little bit to pop in and say hello? Yes. Yes, I, I always love talking to Anderson, so this will be good times. Great oldies, Light 101.9. <laughs> He's well, getting his karaoke chops going there. <laughs> All right, next up to the stage, Anderson Cowan singing some Bon Jovi. like a stripper <laughs> intro there. No, that's very good. I, lo- I love it. And, and one of these days, next time, you get to play us a bumper music, okay? I, I want to hear some of the bumper music that you play. You know, yeah. that's, that'd be that'd be really, really nice. I, I, it's, like the, it's like the same 20 songs, because we, we have a bunch of karaoke songs, Hardly have any like actual songs with lyrics in it. So, okay. So I'm excited about Anderson and I, can we, Bruce, can we just stop the show right now? Because I looked at our Google doc. We have seven movies plus a box movie to cover. I'm intimidated. Greg is afraid. Bo is afraid. Perky and Holmes are afraid. What do you think? Can we handle all eight movies, Bruce? Or should we just cut a few to the quick? You're going to be the boss of this episode. What, what should we well, put the bomb on? I, what, what should we explode? Well, you're not going to say too much about Oppenheimer, right? Because you're kind of holding that, keeping your powder dry for next week on that, right? Uh, I've been keeping my powder dry for for so many years. <laughs> just like Bo, right, Eric? He's just like Bo. Yeah. <laughs> I hope well, he's not keeping it that dry because you might be sitting in that seat a little uncomfortably. Actually, Greg, I believe you have a Oppenheimer review up on the YouTube right. page. I have, mm. yes. I, so yes. if maybe listeners want to go to the YouTube page... They can hear Greg's thoughts on Oppenheimer. Exactly. Go to thank you, Eric Holmes. That and that is our review of Oppenheimer. By the way, spoiler alert: I gave it five stars. It's a five star banger. Just go check on our Deepest Dream YouTube channel. We have different cinematics clips and movie reviews. Bruce, you're doing some conducting with your hands with, with like that was just the a bang, you know, you know, your bang. All the, all the, all the explosion puns <laughs> okay. are happening. I was look. I was going to double dip and try to actually talk about Oppenheimer and then put it on our cinematics YouTube channel. I'm not going to double dip. Just go to our deepest dream YouTube channel. Just know opening weekend. First of all, Eric Holmes. I'm assuming you're going to see it this weekend. Am I correct on this? That's the plan. That's yes. the plan. Okay, if you're yeah. not too busy doing a, a lot of other things, but that you really want to go. Yeah, hopefully Friday I'll get to. If not, uh, probably Monday. Okay. Well, that leaves you might be jealous of Bruce because Bruce, I know you're a huge Tenet fan. That means your opening night uh, of what Friday midnight. <laughs> are you going to go see? You, you know, I dropped the um, bomb on you. I might. One? I might go see the. You say double. Are you talking about the Gap Band? What are you doing here? <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Oppenheimer dropped the bomb on you. <laughs> sorry. <baby. laughs> yeah. Exactly. 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 <laughs> By the way, we have that song at uh, Crazy Tear. Tony's karaoke, just go to crazytoniskaraoke.com and uh, sign up for the Gap Band. Any Gap Band. Just tell me there's a there's a montage <laughs> cool. in Oppenheimer with that song, I hope. There's a montage. This will be very, very cool. But you might, you said you're, you might, in, in all fairness. I you, might, because it's a real story. It's really an interesting story, and it'd be less likely that he could um, F it up as bad. Okay. That's fair. Okay. But so other than Oppenheimer, we, we got that out of the way. 
you guys know that I'm I, look. I'm usually a four star Greg kind of dude, and but this is a, a masterpiece. First coming out of there, I I was just a little bit mixed on it because of the third act, which is very talky and courtroom drama ish. And while I was watching oh, it, I was thinking Eric Holmes is going to say love it again this. slower. Say it again slower. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, Eric Holmes this is going to be an Eric Holmes film. And the other movies that we're going to be covering this week for episode 199, again, very excited for. Thank you, Anderson Cowan, for joining us on episode 200. He'll be joining us for episode 250, 300, 350, maybe every quarter, or maybe even less. Who knows? Maybe every five episodes, maybe every episode. I don't know. But it'd be great to see Anderson again next week. But as far as the features for episode 199, we have a movie called The Deepest Breath. It's a documentary from Netflix. It's currently out right now. There's a wow a Neil Butte movie called Fear the Night. Bruce was calling me just, just unawares and just singing the praises of this movie. I don't know. Fear the Night. We, we might have to fear all of Bruce Perky's praises on this film. We'll see what happens when we'll see what Eric Holmes thinks about Fear the Night. And I apologize to Bruce because I actually seduced him into watching this film, this <laughs> horror thriller called Cobweb. Just, I was saying, hey, maybe you could possibly hate watch it or... You might like it, the third act. There's a lot of third act. There's a very memorable third act in Cobweb. So that's another movie we're covering. Who knows? Maybe Eric and Bruce might kind of like it. I did not get to the Kyle Gallner film, Mother May I. This seems like a psychological thriller, two-hander set in a remote area. We'll get to that very, very soon. And then finally, Odd Hours, No Pay, Cool Hat, Eric Holmes. That's a documentary. He's going to be talking about that, I think. What does that doc about very quickly, Eric? It's about volunteer firefighters, just kind of their day-to-day. Okay, yeah, volunteer firefighters. Eric actually sent me the interviews with the direct the director last week. Who did you send? You said you sent yeah, something. The, yeah, the the directors of the uh, documentary. Okay, and I have to put that up on our Find Your Film podcast feed. I've just been so, just so uh, overloaded with movies. I'm sick of movies, Bruce and Eric. I'm just done with it. Can you guys take over the, the podcast now and and take over the profits for the the ten cents we get every week? Who's who's going to take over the mantle? You, Eric? You, Bruce? Yeah, sure. Sure. AI Greg. We're going to have AI Greg on here. <laughs> That's good. I like that. AI Greg. Very AI then. And self-deprecating G-R-A-I-G. humor. G-R-A-I-G. G-R-A-I-G. That's how I'll spell it. Greg. <laughs> My name is Greg. I hate myself. Self-deprecating <laughs> humor. I am a robot. Robot is what I am. <laughs> AI, by the way, is speaking of AI, that is Anderson Cowan's favorite Spielberg film. Just Little fact that I just made up right now. Now, okay, so there's a lot of movies that we're going to cover. Finally, Cinematics Patreon 1999. I put out to our Patreon community. And look, thank you, Abby Schmidt. Thank you, Peter Beta. Thank you, Mitch Burns, for just drumming up the list. The second movie that we will be covering for next week for our Patreon. First movie, of course, is Notting Hill, chosen by Bruce Perky. It's his pick this month. And the second 1990 film we're going to review is a movie called the Sixth Sense. Who knows? It might be really cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I see I've Bruce again. Things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about The Sixth Sense and Notting Hill for our Patreon bonus episode of 1999. Again, we do spoilers. We do a lot of different things for our Patreon community. $5 a month is the catch-all entry fee. So that should be really exciting. Guys, any thoughts on The Sixth Sense as a second movie? Are you guys okay with that? Yeah, I dig it. Oh, I'll be happy I, to I, revisit just... I'm just finding out myself. My my, my internet's unstable, like me. Oh. Uh, uh, Sixth Sense, yeah, that's good. I haven't. I don't think I've seen it since uh, since it was in the theaters. Honestly, so I'm looking forward to oh, it. Okay, you know what else you see? 
I'm kidding. We, we'll, we'll talk about it. On, <laughs> we'll talk about 1999 next week on our Patreon bonus episode. And then after that, we're going to talk to Anderson Young. So it's I haven't talked to him for a couple of weeks. So it will be great to discuss with him. Look, I talked about Oppenheimer. Let's just get to the, the movie of the week. We know what it is. It's the M-O-W of the week, Cobweb. again no more nightmares tonight okay champ <gasps> Daddy! this is getting ridiculous this is an old house there's bound to be bumps in the night peter drew this yes is he all right peter has an overactive imagination right you know i wish i had someone i could talk to about the things that were happening in my house mom mom peter sometimes you have to make hard decisions to protect your family. What is that? The banging. Enough! Enough! You don't hear anything, Peter. You have a beautiful imagination. It's going to get you into trouble one day. Synopsis. Eight-year-old Peter is plagued by a mysterious constant tap, tap, tap from inside his bedroom wall. A tapping that his parents insist is all his imagination. They think that Peter is making things up. The little knock, knock, knock on the wall. He's just fantasizing. He's a very introverted eight-year-old. He gets bullied in school and Maybe he's just making up an imaginary friend. That's a premise of Cobweb directed by Samuel Baldwin. But Samuel Bowden, my apologies, who is the, yes, Woody Norman is the eight-year-old. I thought he was really good in this movie. And the mother is played by Lizzie Kaplan, who is, I think, in this movie, and I mean this in the coolest way, I think, is she channeling Joan Crawford in this movie? Because she's going <laughs> all over the place. And then also the father is played by Anthony Starr from... What is what is that superhero movie from Amazon? I, f- I forget the good the good guys, the, the bad guy, the boys, the boys. Thank you, Bruce Perky. So Anthony Starr, Lizzie Kaplan are the parents. The kid is Woody Norman. That's all you need to know. It's eighty eight minutes. Is a boy imagining things, or is there something in the house? Is it a supernatural spirit? What's going on? There's also a concerned teacher who is really not. You know, if I'm a teacher, and maybe I'm not as good of a human being as Anderson or Bruce or Eric, but if I'm a teacher at a school, I'm just going to clock in and clock out. If an eight-year-old kid is having problems at a home that from the out, from the facade looks like a haunted house and looks run down, I'm not, I'm not going to 
it's not my kid. It's not. Well, anyways, there's another, uh, there's a concerned teacher played by Cleopatra Coleman. She's trying to do what's best for Peter. And who knows, maybe she will get herself also in danger in cobweb. Let's start with Eric Holmes. Your thoughts on this movie. I really did not like this. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it started it does the it does the uh i forget the opening but i know it's got like the it does the 20 minutes of nothing before it finally starts becoming a movie uh more on that on a on a later movie that we'll talk about that doesn't do that but um this is just kind of goes nowhere until it gets to the third act and then it gets kind of crazy and at that point i was like kind of not really taking the movie seriously and just kind of watching it is kind of like a dumb dumb horror movie they have like the you know the the what do I call him? Slipknot Junior. <laughs> the kids were in the bunny mask doing the tilt head thing because that's that's crazy, isn't it? That's scary. They tilt their head because I'm crazy, and aren't I scary with the tilted head? Uh, it, this has like a lot of in common with like the Conjuring films, also movies I don't really like. But you know what? Word on the street is uh, people are digging this, so this might be an orphan first kill kind of thing where. I did not like Orphan First Kill, but it came out and people love that. So I think this might be one of those kind of movies. But I just thought this was really dumb. The dad was going full on Jack Torrance, but like worse <laughs> or not as good. It had a couple funny lines like we don't we don't solve problems with, with violence in this family and then proceeds to chain his child in the basement because <laughs> we, we, we don't solve problems with violence we solve it with uh uh mental abuse is what we do i got I, I gotta say the the third act definitely went weird uh like kind of uh malignant type weird had some fun with that but by the time it got there it was like i was like just this move this movie along already but again the early word on this is that people are uh, the people that have seen this are kind of digging it so uh maybe give it a shot this probably just was one that didn't work for me yeah bruce do you it's a dumb movie from Eric. Yes. I'm paraphr- I'm, yes, I'm paraphrasing <laughs> Eric. If it's a dumb movie, is there enjoyment that can be gleaned from this experience or absolutely not? I don't know. I see this is to me, if a movie's this dumb, it has to at least be, it has to go for the camp or something. You know what I mean? Like it has to be, I don't know how to describe it. It has to be dumb on purpose. I don't think this movie's dumb on purpose, you know? So I think like, for example, he talks about malignant. Malignant is one of those movies where you're watching the first half of it and you're like, what the heck? This is really poorly written and this is really so tropey. But then when it does its twist, you understand that the reason it did some of the things it did was on purpose. And it was it was setting you up for the full camp um, cheese fest that it was and, you know, unknowingly so. But this movie... <laughs> no here's examples of what makes this movie to me dumb <laughs> yeah the t- it does a lot of t- twisting up and sideways and over and over in this movie uh eric was showing us graphically if you have a video version of this you're watching perfect example the kid is disturbed you know and something's not right in his house and there's a there's a tapping and a voice from the walls so what does he do for the at school while they're all drawing things he draws a painting of himself laying in bed <laughs> with a really dark dark background with help me above his head (laughs) i mean it's like that's the thing about this movie it's so on the nose in dumb ways here's another thing that i thought was incredibly (laughs) dumb and made no sense so their backyard they have a garden you know what their garden is a bunch of giant rotting pumpkins 
and they hate Halloween. Why are they growing like 50 giant rotting pumpkins in their backyard? Could it be something buried underneath? We'll only be able to find out later in this movie. Yeah, this movie does a lot of dumb things. I kind of think it could have redeemed itself because it was kind of going pretty hard on the super horrible, stereotypically monstrous parents. And it could have just kept ramping that up and actually been kind of fun. But I think they shot themselves in the foot on that one as well. And then the final reveal of what has been living behind the walls was absolutely underwhelming to me. And and it had a very silly voice. I'll say that too. Underwhelming with a silly voice. And honestly, I'm not going to spoil what it wasn't. How's this? I was hoping it would just be some big, stupid animatronic spider. I would have been absolutely happy with that. It wasn't that. Okay. Very cool. It's not a spoiler that we re- that they're saying that we're saying that there's something behind the wall, right? Is that, is that a spoiler? Well, nah. someone's tapping on the wall and talking to him, so something's behind the wall. It could, could be, be his imagination, though. Correct? Correct? Could be his imagination creating a phantom. Who knows? Okay, who you knows? Only be able to find out by watching this terrible movie. We'll we'll just say that in Cobweb, yeah, that person behind that wall or creature could be a manifestation of the kids' fears and nightmares. So Bruce said it's terrible. Eric said it's dumb. I said this, is, I think Cobweb is kind of brilliant. I absolutely love the heck out of this movie. It is so completely crazy and bat-ish. The leads, the parents, Lizzie Kaplan and Anthony Starr, they're acting like they're in another movie. It's just scenery chewing. I was all, I was all for it. I was all for everything about this movie. I was, there, were, there are questions that the, Bruce was pointing about the whole pumpkin stuff. And it's correct. <laughs> There are things in this movie where lapses in logic, if you're going to complain about lapses in I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying as moviegoers, if you're going to say, well, it doesn't make sense. Yes. A lot of this movie doesn't make sense. There are a lot. There are some holes in this movie that you're thinking, wait a second. How does that tie into this? And for some reason, I just lapped it up. I just loved it. I like the twist. I like the third act. Third act, once the, there's a, a shift that comes on, it's just wall, it's like kind of a roller coaster for me. So I really, Eric said it's getting some good reviews or some people really enjoying it. I'm one of those people who really dug Cobweb. It's exclusively in theaters July 21st. Let's get to the ratings and we'll get to the next movie in a second. Eric Holmes, your rating on Cobweb. Well, I would say that if you like uh, mushroom head videos, um, <laughs> this would probably be a good one. This would probably be a good one to watch. Uh, also like, yeah, I think the orphan first kill, um, is probably kind of on the same line. So maybe the people that like orphan first kill, uh, would also like uh cobweb. Yeah. I love orphan first kill. Um, I love that too. Yeah. Good but point. yeah, this was, this was, uh, this was, I love horror. This is not my kind of horror movie. In fact, this is the kind of horror movie that I'm just kind of roll my eyes at. And maybe if they, you know what, maybe if they got to the third act sooner or had been as interesting as the third act throughout then maybe i would have thought differently but as it is uh that's uh, probably this is probably if i'm being generous probably a two-star movie for me two stars for eric holmes what about you bruce if i had liked the third act as much as you guys i would give it two stars but i thought the third act was the worst act the most generic and it was actually slightly interesting before that but once the third act hit i was absolutely bored it was dumb uh one star one star for Bruce. For me, I was entertained all throughout. Love the pacing. Look, they're all, the only thing about this 88-minute thing is Eric has the thing. It's kind of right. It's a little bit of a slow burn until the third act. And maybe he wishes it got there a little bit sooner. I like the pacing and atmosphere of it. 
it's an easy four stars for me for cobweb easy four. Yes, I, I, I wouldn't call it a slow burn. I call it a no burn. There's nothing happening. <laughs> there's nothing happening. I will disagree with that. I think there's some really interesting things going on. I like the pacing, the atmosphere, and then it, it's a bonkers movie. If you go, if you're on that ride, I think you're going to appreciate cobweb. But listen to Bruce and Eric's review. There's there's a lot of logic to be had regarding the flip side of the praise, my praise for cobweb because. I'm outvoted on this one. We'll see. Tell us what you think of Cobweb when it comes out in theaters Friday, July 21st. Next up is a movie called The Deepest Breath. It's a documentary. It's currently streaming on Netflix. It centers Bruce and I, and I think, Bruce, you're going to agree with me. We really can't say too much about The Deepest Breath because the way it's structured, I believe the director is Laura McGann. I think that's her name. The way that it's structured is... You get to know these two divers. One of them is a record, record-holding record Italian free diver. I believe her name's Alessia Vecchini, and she's very charismatic. She's very passionate, and free diving has been her life. And then there's this other, there's a safety diver, and his name is Stephen, I believe, Keenan, Stephen Keenan. And most of the documentary follows their lives separately, how they both got into the sport of free diving, how one became that just champion and how the other person, Steven, became a safety diver. So they, they're they both passionate, passionate about this sport. One of them is actually doing the sport. The other one is making sure that these really courageous free divers can actually surface without, you know, without dying. And that's a very important job as well. So The Deepest Breath is, to me, was a very immersive documentary beautifully shot. And I was really invested into both of the, their lives. And eventually when they come together as friends and they bond, you get to really see how their connection works. And the reason why I think we can't really say much else about this doc is because we're going to let you discover everything else that happens. So Bruce, your thoughts on The Deepest Breath? Yeah, I, I kind of agree. That's about the, as much of the, I guess, the factual events of the movie as you can kind of give away uh as far as a documentary about this kind of stuff it's it's very well done uh it's kind of a like you said it's kind of a two-part documentary one part is about the sport itself and you know the dangers and you know kind of the ups and downs of what that sport is all about and the other part is kind of these two parallel lives and how they intersect uh so in a way, it kind of does what <laughs> Eric hates, but to to a good point, and that it starts with the idea of the divers, but then kind of backs up and lets you kind of follow these parallel paths, so you kind of get to know both of these people. I would say um, this is going to be for people who like things like Free Solo. Uh, was the Alpinist? Was that the other one we watched? Yes, the Alpinist. The other yes. one. And and both of those, I've had kind of a gripe about Solo like free solo climbers. I, I really think they are the a-holes of the climbing community. And I kind of always made the, uh, the analogy I would give is the fastest race car driver is the fastest race car driver. And the one that does it without seat belts to prove that he's better is just the a-hole that's endangering his life, his life and, you know, possibly going to die easier be- in front of his family and friends. The solo divers are a different version of that. I had to think of an analogy for it. What solo divers are to me are, they are the person who gets in their car with no seatbelts or anything else and drives it into a wall and they keep increasing the speed to see how high they can get and still survive, but not quite die. Cause That's right tough, out yeah. of the gate, right out of the gate, they show us, you know, that the diver, a, a, a single uninterrupted shot of a diver going from the surface down to whatever those hundred meters, they're always trying to get around a hundred meters above or below. Um, 
They get to the 100 meters, they go back up, and right before the surface, and this is what happens consistently with these divers, is right before the surface, they will black out, and if they aren't immediately taken out and lucky, they will die. So it's a, it's a sport that it, the only thing of the, the sport is about is trying not to die. Really, that's all it is. Because Getting as close to that as can, possible. We can easily go deep with apparatus, various scuba apparatus. If we are going to go deep to look at what's deep, you can do that. So the only point of the sport is to not die. So it's really just a matter of whether you die quickly because you're not very good at it, whether you give up and live, or whether you just keep trying to be better and better your whole life. And eventually you get old enough that you end up dying. So I don't have much respect for the sport, uh, but for the documentary itself, it's, it's solid. It's, oh, it's solid. Yeah. It's, I, I really look at it. I can see the gripe regarding free divers. You know, what they do is I don't know. It's very tough. I and people and look the documentary. It documents people who have it does not just died on the way up or trying to actually surface. They just end up disappearing. Oh yeah, right? there's that wall. There's a wall of all the people that have died. Yeah, I should have said though that when you crash into the wall, the wall is covered with plaques of people who have died doing the same thing. That's that would be the, the total analogy. <laughs> there is a huge case to be made regarding your your um, opinion on free diving and i'm sure it's been made time and time again so and maybe i should have thought about that as well <laughs> watching the deepest breath but again like bruce was saying it is a solid documentary i was really invested in both stephen keenan and alessia zacchini's respective stories and their bond bruce what is your rating on the deepest breath I will give it three and a half. I think if you're into these kind of movies, like the other ones I mentioned, you'll probably go a little higher, but I think you'll like it if, if you're into those, especially. Yeah, I love this. This is an easy four and a half stars for me. I actually posted a review, like Eric said, on, on our Deepest Dream YouTube channel. And I forgot, Eric, I forgot to actually, at the end of the YouTube channel, the YouTube video, I forgot to give a rating, a freaking rating for The Deepest Breath. So my rating for The Deepest Breath now streaming on Netflix is four and a half and Bruce's rating is three and a half. Check it out. Tell us what you think of The Deepest Breath. Now, Eric Holmes, it's your turn on the stage. Mike in the hand, this is your karaoke moment to shine. There's a movie by Neil Butte. Both Bruce and I, we're old men. We fear the night, but you don't. You go out and you do the karaoke and you do the bumpers and you make people dance. So make us dance to fear the night. Tell us, tell our listeners what this is about. DJ Eric Holmes. All right. Next up to seeing Mariah Carey's We Belong Together, Neil Labute with Fear the Night. Um, By the way, great song. I love that song. Great. great, great oh, so do I. Yes. Um, <laughs> so we were, I, you know, we we're talking about Cobweb where, um, and Cobweb's not the only movie that does this. Far too many movies do this. They do the, they do the big opening, 20 minutes of nothing. And then we'll finally get around to, uh, you know, uh, telling the story. Um, I love uh, Fear the Night because it did not do that. At least Bruce is probably going to think differently, but the right away with uh, Maggie Q's character and I think Kat Foster, her her sister, one of her sisters, uh, they do not get along at all. And in fact, they're just uh, constantly at each other's throats or sisters being uh, uh, like really passive aggressive, annoyingly so. These are not characters that I like, air quote, but I did uh, get into the um, conflict between the two of them. The conflict made sense to me, and I could have watched a movie about that. And granted, would have got uh, 
unbearable to watch after a while, but there's real conflict because I've, I've seen people act like that towards each other. This felt like, like real family kind of conflict stuff. And they, uh, they're going out to this house, like in the, uh, you know, middle of nowhere, as most of these type of movies tend to end up. Um, and they're going out because, uh, their other sister is getting married. And then it's kind of turns into like a straw dogs sort of situation where, you know, they're talking and all of a sudden the thing happens, which comes out of nowhere, by the way, because right, right away, I'm like, I'm interested in these sisters kind of dynamic, their, their personal stuff. Um, and then all of a sudden, like a, a arrow just goes right through someone's chest. And then now we're off to the races. And then the movie goes on, you know, the, the people are, uh, people are outside. They're threatening them, uh, when to get inside to get a thing. And, uh, the, the women inside don't know what that is. Uh, Maggie Q's character doesn't give a crap because, uh, she's just a badass and wants to kill them all. And she's complete badass for this. But, uh, I, I, I love the tension set up. And when, uh, everything starts to go to hell and Maggie Q kind of steps up. Then her sister that was kind of getting on her ass earlier, all of a sudden she finds value in her sister for once. And then, so like all, all of a sudden, like, you know, the, the, the personal stuff is still playing on as this goes through. And then my favorite part of this is that people that make stupid decisions pay for it. The people not granted in, in the situation, you're going to make dumb decisions because you have to, but people that make unnecessary, stupid decisions pay for it. And then the people that don't get away. And this, this was just like checking off all the boxes like, Oh, this annoys Eric. We won't do that. Check. Uh, this also annoys Eric. We're not going to do that. Check. So realistically, this movie should have been like just completely mediocre, like the the line or the bar that you need to clear. Unfortunately, movies like this don't. So I think it kind of pushes it up a, quite a few notches. But I think this is uh, Fear of the Nights. If you're going to tell this type of story, this is the bare minimum you need to start doing. We need to stop doing that big opening 20 minutes of nothing. Um uh, we need to stop with the uh, the air quote character development uh, with characters that don't act like real humans, uh, you know, relationships I don't, you know, care about. And clearly the writer of the filmmakers don't because it's just boring. It drags along. Let's get to the point. This movie uh, does away with all of that. And the, the, you know, the conflict is real. The action and the suspense is real. And I loved it thrown through. Now for Bruce to poke a hole in everything I just said. <laughs> oh, am I supposed to do it now? <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's a segue. That's your yeah. segue. I was looking at Greg was going to say something. Um, uh, yeah, well, this isn't... Okay, first of all, right out of the gate, we know this isn't really my kind of movie, so I'm kind of predisposed not to be into this as quite as much. What, what um, do you mean, what kind of movie? I'm not trying to humor you, but like, just kind specifically? Of basic, low-budget action movies. I, don't, I just don't usually go down for those. But, for example, we saw recently um, Wrath of Becky, which has a similar setup, or at least yes. starting point. Um, and for me, that was much more entertaining because, and both got right to the point. And, but what I liked about, well, Wrath of Becky is a, Becky's a better character than any of these characters, except maybe for Maggie Q's character. Um, I, I was really, really not enjoying any of the characters in this bachelorette party. It was like a stripper slash uh, porn actor, but only the actor part convention got together and decided to have a little banter for about, 15 minutes or however long it was, but that was fine. You know, that's the setup for this kind of movie. Right. So I, I kind of take that with a great assault. My problem kind of with this movie is kind of the opposite of, of Eric's in a way. I, I really 
wanted there to be a more clear, didn't have to be a, like a more complicated setup, but it had to be a more clear setup for me. In other words, I needed to know exactly what these dudes state, what they wanted, but, uh, and even that wasn't as important as why the heck they just didn't come into the house and kill everybody and get what they wanted. That's the thing I didn't understand because they're outside. I'm not going to give everything away. You talked about an arrow going to the chest. Let's just say immediately they show that they are willing to use deadly force. And there's no reason for them to suspect that anybody inside has any ability to fight them back. So why don't they just go in and kill whoever they need to kill and get what they want? That Once that happened in my brain, I couldn't watch the rest of the movie because I, I never understood why they didn't do that. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose that's fair. But, but but I I guess for me that that boils down to um it it just worked that way because it did I, I don't have a good answer for but that I mean, but it's it's kind of like a basic thing for a movie like this right you yeah gotta set up yeah you're you gotta not, set you're, up the, you're not the stakes the antagonists the protagonists and what's keeping them from one side from just killing the other side right you know if if, if one side is a terminator and the other side is just a regular old human then you got to explain like well how's that regular old human going to survive and essentially that's kind of what you got here you got a bunch of dudes with trucks and weapons also why did they not have guns they said because it was gonna be too loud but there was all kinds of stuff going on there and didn't seem to be anyone anywhere in the vicinity either way either way that was my big I I think I would. I think I was so excited that it did so many things right. Of just movies like this that bugged the living crap out of me. It did the exact opposite of that, and it it almost felt like a meta commentary for movies kind of like this in certain situations. Um, to where it's kind of like a Neil Labute just kind of dropped his thing on the table and said, "Look, uh, or or the uh, what 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 was that line, Maggie Q? It's, It's like." okay, you can keep screaming and die or you can listen to me and maybe we'll get through this. Like just, you know. But she did, had did, terrible advice. I, that was great advice. Stop no, screaming. Later. <laughs> Go upstairs and hang out the window and let's get get a signal. Well, okay. So, so that, 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 was, that was the only way they could call out. But the, the other option was run to the next house, which they had to do because what, you know, what yeah. else? That, I mean, that that's just a setup. And in a place like that, you know, I've been down to my parents' house and there's certain areas of the house where you get service and certain most areas where you don't. So like that, that all tracked for me. I I didn't have a problem. If you're going to do that, the problem. So here again, I'll I'll nitpick a little bit. If you're going to do that, don't establish that these guys are dead shots from outside into the inside, you know, because they do demonstrate that right before that happens. And it's like, if you're going to do that, well, then no one should be sticking their head out of a window like just leaving themselves open for killing. I have, I have a rebuttal to that, but that would involve. Well, yeah, that would, that would, yeah, that would <laughs> but, explain. Uh, I, I will say that the, they're dead shot when they can see inside the house. I think whenever they hit them inside the house, it's kind of lucky because they're just kind of shooting through windows at that point. But yeah, I'll, I'll stop talking about that. But I, I, I do have a, <laughs> yeah, it, I guess that, that is not a mistake. I, I, I can explain that. Yeah. Also, that ba- there's a certain thing that we're not going to also explain. There's a reason why, I th- in my opinion, what, there's a reason why they're not actually going into the house because there is some prior history regarding a certain situation that that occurs before everyone gets into the house. The the women get into the house, so you guys can figure that out yourself. A lot of things are ex- are explainable, but I think Bruce, that's not like your main. You think the execution of the movie wasn't up to par as well? Just the the um, the story execution. It just wasn't it wasn't exciting to me, unfortunately. Maggie mm-hmm. Q is cool, but she wasn't in the right movie or a movie for me that would have been exciting. I would have rather seen like a, a Wrath of Becky kind of movie. I could get down 
because it's like it's it's just having so much fun. This was think, like, yeah. Do you think like uh, the difference between this and Wrath of Becky is that Wrath of Becky is a lot more funny and lighthearted and like you know yeah, that's, also, they're they're you know um, on paper they're both the same movie, but this one's like a they're not dark, though, gloomy they're version. They're opposite. No, I, the I'm, I'm talking about like story wise. They're they're kind of they're kind of similar, but like no, but, I'm saying they're opposite story wise too. This oh, is I, why. Get, I got you. This is what I mean. What I mean is in Wrath of Becky, it's like hey, a holes come in and and come into your life and start doing bad things to you, right? Yeah. So she takes the war to them in Wrath of Becky. Yeah. Whereas, and so it's like, once she takes the war to them, like you just give a reason for these a-holes to be here, a reason for her to be mad. And then Becky happens. That's pretty much the movie. Yeah. Whereas this is the opposite. This is like, here's a whole bunch of people. They didn't really do anything. Here's some a-holes. Oh, now the a-holes are being even more a-hole-ish to them. And, and they have Maggie to figure Q out a way happens. to like get out of it. Yeah. So it doesn't really <laughs> let Maggie Q go all out and be Maggie Q crazy. Oh, it just, if she has to do. That. She does a little bit in here, but it's just, I know from, do you see my point though? Like yeah. it's, it's war on bad guys versus like kind of a siege. And then there's kind of a little bit of war and there's kind of, so for me, it was just kind of mm, mediocre. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So fear of the night, my take on fear of the night is I think it really works as a low budget genre action thriller because of a couple of things. First of all, there is an aforementioned situation that Eric mentions regarding an arrow which uh, I'm not going to talk about the the circumstances of that arrow, but it was definitely a surprise. It bro- broke up the pace of it. And once everything gets going, you realize the bachelorettes in this party there, the, I mean, these women in the party, they act differently towards this traumatic incident. So some of them, like Eric says, some of them act a certain way that are not, that's annoying understand, and understandably so because they're very nervous. Some of them act really cool under pressure. I, I thought this movie was really well paced and is tense and that the characters are well etched. And as far as a B, I mean this in the best way. As Bruce said, he's not a fan of uh, low budget action films. I'm a huge fan of B B movies. I think this one is an elevated B movie because don't want to get too much into the third act, but the way this movie ends ends on a in a in my opinion, in a little bit more of a resonant tone because the actual trauma of the incident you can actually feel it from the individuals, especially from certain characters towards the end of the film. I thought it was a really well done movie written and directed by, by uh, Neil Abute. And I'm glad that he's actually working within this genre. I mean, it, it was good. It was, it was just a solid, solid movie. So for me, and I love Maggie Q. I thought she really kicked ass in this movie. Cat Foster, who plays her, her annoying sister is actually pretty good in this movie as well. So I oh, yeah. really enjoy Yeah. Really enjoy that. And also, uh, yeah, I just, I thought, it worked. Fear of the Night. I would I would recommend it. So my rating for Fear of the Night, which by the way, hits theaters on digital and on demand Friday, July 21st. Four stars for me. Bruce Perky, what's your rating on Fear of the Night? Uh, I will take that and divide it in half. Two stars. Two stars for Bruce Perky for Fear of the Night. Eric Holmes, your rating. Um, I'm gonna, two and a half. Two, get I'm gonna half go, off there. Two, two. I'm, I'm going to go five-star <laughs> banger. Uh, beyond the, uh, the one part that Bruce brought up that I did kind of agree with, this just does so many things right and, and fixes so many problems that I have with movies like this that uh, I, I just loved it. And Maggie Q is awesome. And by the way, I, I was going to point out there's the, the arrow scene that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Not really a spoiler because it comes out of nowhere. Like when that happens, you will not. Be, it, it's kind of like the kind of like the shark in Deep Blue Sea that eats Sam Jackson. Like if you've seen the scene, you know that it happens. But if someone says Sam Jackson gets eaten by a shark, you won't expect it to happen when it happens. Yeah, dude, I still haven't seen Deep Blue Sea. Thanks, thanks, Barrow. 
So well, you can see my shark. So, <laughs> so that is fear of the night. Five star banger from Eric Holmes. Four stars from me. Bruce Perky's ratings do not count for fear of the night. So we're just going to move on to the next one. No, I'm kidding. Bruce gave it two stars. And you like Neela Butte movies, right? Like your friends and neighbors. Have you ever seen in the company of men? Have you ever seen any of Neela Butte's films? By the way, um, Samuel Jackson was in a Neil Butte film. Do you remember what it was? I forgot what it was. Let me look at it up right now. Eric, do you remember the Neil Butte film that Samuel Jackson starred in? I do not. I'll look it up while. Oh, the, the, uh, where he's the, the property. Cop. Yeah. 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 It's, oh, what? I'll look Lake it up View right Terrace. now. Lakeview Terrace. Yeah. Oh, what? Oh, Lakeview Terrace. Yeah. Is that a good movie? Was that any good? I, I saw it when it came out. I, I wasn't mm-hmm. as wild by it as I was with this, but I, I liked it. And then, you know, Wicker Man. Wicker Man's dumb, but that, it, who doesn't love watching Nicolas Cage just go full Nicolas Cage? Right, exactly. Now, let's get to another movie. It's on Netflix. They clone Tyrone. I apologize to Bruce Perky. I said I would watch this movie. I have 65 minutes left for They Clone Tyrone. So I'm going to have to ask you, Bruce, how much should we give away Because regarding They Clone Tyrone? Uh, it's hard yeah. because I, I didn't. If I read the plot synopsis, I'm I'm assuming that they say what happens, but I didn't know. And the fact that something happens 15 minutes in, wow, I, I, that was cool to actually, no, not that cool, but it was good to, to actually have that unfold before me. So it's hard for me to actually do the plot on this. How would you go yes. about it? Yeah, I agree. And as a, I've seen a couple of trailers like that pop up on your different feeds and um, even in the trailers, just seeing the images going by, they give a lot away, it looks like. So That's I would not- highly advise. Yeah, I would highly advise people don't oh. watch the trailer. Okay, don't watch. Okay, okay. so don't watch the trailer. Do not talk about any kind of reveal within the first 15 minutes. Do we do we agree on this, Bruce? No, no reveal on the first 15, like an inciting incident? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's, oh man, it's really hard because so much of what you talk about in this movie is about that. Um, well, you know, we can I, give the setup but and talk about it, I guess, a little bit, though. I can give you the boring log line from Netflix, and then maybe you sure. can jump off of that. I can start yeah. off first. Okay, but here's a log line. A series of eerie events. This is a great log line, by the way. A series of eerie events thrusts an unlikely trio, John Boyega, Jamie Foxx, Tiana Paris, Onto the trail of a nefarious government conspiracy in this pulpy mystery caper. Yes, the trio is John Boyega, Teona Paris, and Jamie Foxx. There are three people living in the same neighborhood. They have different jobs. And for some reason, they're thrown together to solve this government conspiracy. What do you think of that, Bruce, as an explanation for they cloned Tyrone? Yeah, yeah, I guess that kind of works uh. <laughs> i'm gonna throw a couple other things in the mix if you like black exploitation films from the 1970s like shaft and these type of films or across what is that across 110th street there's a whole bunch of that movies from that era the mac and if you love that music from that era curtis mayfield bobby womack those that kind of music diana ross there's love hangover in this in this movie so if if you like that kind of music and that kind of feel, even though it's set in present day, because this is not a spoiler, there is a mention of the importance of cryptocurrency and the blockchain at the beginning of the movie. It's set in current day, but the movie, parts of the movie feels like it's set in a very uh, 1970s urban neighborhood, which which has a lot of, just ha- has a lot of soul, has a lot of funk and a lot of crime and violence. 
and just a whole atmosphere in, in this movie that I, I've, I thought that was very interesting. And it's so far, it's very funny and it's very surprising. So I'm only about an hour in. Yes. Bruce, I'm going to leave the baton to you. Is it as excellent as I think it's going to be? Yes, I think it is as excellent as you think it's going to be. Uh, and one of the things that struck me right away, and you guys have to let me know if I start gapping out too much here, because I know my internet connection is terrible. No, you're fine. You're um, fine right now. You're good. Um, right out of the gate, I thought exactly the thing you mentioned, which is like, this seems like a 70s exploitation movie. In fact, it's almost like a exploitation movie bar joke. You know, a pimp, <laughs> a whore, <laughs> and a drug dealer walk into a bar. <laughs> or in this right. case, maybe they walk into a chicken joint. Um, <laughs> but you immediately feel like everything everything is super, um, super stereotypical, super cliched, super, like you said, black exploitation, like all all of those like tropes and those types of characters. And you're thinking about yourself, like what the heck is this movie? But it's funny. And the banter is, is great. And I think Jamie Foxx as um, <laughs> slick Charles, slick Charles, the pimp, Jamie Foxx, this is going to stand as one of the best Jamie Foxx roles, or at least one of the most hammy fun to watch things he's done since uh in living color, as far as I can tell you, I mean, it's this, this, he is just having a heck of a time. And John Boyega is almost unrecognizable when it first starts out. I'm like, wow, I did not even know that was him almost. And Tayana um, Paris from it, it and Tayana Paris ends up kind of stealing the movie from underneath them as it goes. And there are a couple great cameos, which I am not mentioning to you. There's a really great cameo. You might not have got to yet of an actor that I'm not going to name who is in okay. here. A very, very, very famous, well-known actor. Um, this movie is like the Jordan Peele movie that he didn't make crossed with some John Carpenter. And there's one other name of a movie title I could mention that would really give away something. I'm not going to do it. I think this movie is tons of fun, way better than, sorry, Netflix, way better than Netflix deserves. <laughs> this should be in the theaters. Bruce, this is Bruce so do you fun. still want to get links from Netflix? Do you still want, we're, we're under government yes. sanctions. I know, that's why I said, you Are didn't you hear not, that last part. Did you, you not watch it. They Clone Tyrone? I am going to, I'm going to, I'm going to eat and drink within the confines of our, of our Netflix accounts, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to say, if you're not going to, if you don't think, and I'm, this is going to be a spoiler I'm going to give you. I'm going to give this to you, Greg, too. It's a spoiler. I'm don't sorry. give it to me. Don't give it to me. I'm going to. I'm <laughs> I'm going to give this spoiler to you. All right. If you don't think Erica Badu's Tyrone doesn't appear in the closing credits with a slightly varied version of it, you're wrong. This movie oh. is fantastic. Okay. You mentioned all the tropes. One thing so far from an hour in, when a movie has so much, so many tropes, you think, okay, well, this is a cool film, but it's parroting, intentionally parroting a genre from yesteryear and paying homage. And it is doing that, but... It really still feels, and I don't know the trick to it. It still, it still feels so original, and fresh, and vibrant to me. This movie feels just yes. amazing, and and the performances feel so. It's a weird line. All of these characters feel like caricatures, but they're very lived in and real. They're real. Well, I don't know weird. how to do that. It's weird because, because, and I don't. We're not going to give this away, but they they are characters for a reason. But then they're real. They're real humans that are caricatures and i'm not going to say why that's really important but it's a really interesting twist on it and i would just say for all those people who like jordan peele or respect him as a filmmaker but feel like his movies aren't enough fun or maybe they like get out but the other two are just not enough fun for them 
this is the movie for you guys. Do you feel that way? Because I haven't seen the last two films of Jordan Peele. Are I like his fun? other films, but I also get it. I get what people, because they're, they're really in their head and they're very, they really have a pace that's not super fast and they're not, they're kind of self-serious. I enjoy them, but they also don't have a ton of humor. And this movie has got humor to spare and it's just, it's just crackling all the way through. And there's just awesome side characters all the way through, which he, you know, we talked about there's other gang members that are there. There's uh, others hookers that are running around. There's all the different, the church, the, the, the hair shop, you know, the, <laughs> the chicken joint, there's the guy <laughs> named frog. Who's like, you know, sitting outside begging for money outside of the, the trap house. Yeah. Well, the guy outside the mini Mart, that guy has a role that plays into it too. So all these little characters come into play and, and it's, it's just fantastic. How many movies, Bruce, do you know where the social commentary is part of the comedy and you, it actually hits pretty? I don't know if it hits really hard by the end, but by the first half of the movie, I'm going, wow, this is really pointed social yeah. commentary and it's still fun, right? How many, I don't know many movies that can do that very well. I would just say John Carpenter has made one and I won't say which one it is, but there is one that he's made that is pretty beloved and a cult hit and it has some strong connections to this movie. Okay, and I apologize, Bruce, again. I wish I could give this a rating. I still have an hour left to go with They Clone Tyrone. So far, I am so high on this movie. I really, really love it so far. Yes. But Bruce, your rating on And am I wrong? Would Eric not... Don't you think Eric would love this movie? I think, you know, this that's a no-brainer. He's going to... Actually, he yeah. would probably... Again, I'm only a half hour in. I mean, a, an hour in. I think he would have probably given a lot more... Uh, social commentary than we just did right now. He would have probably gone on yeah, some kind of he probably rant would have. Well. He would have dug a lot deeper would have, than us. Gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's not, you know, you, you and I, there's bigger. a lot, there's a lot more going on in here. There's, there's just and I guess that's why I say Jordan Peele, because it's got that level of, of satire, social satire going on here and social and, commentary. It's one of those things like, and then you, it makes you put a mirror on your own habits in life and you go and you, and it makes you laugh and it makes you think. I don't, I, it's very rare. These kind of movies can do that. Bruce, you're rating on they clone Tyrone. As we talked, I had four and a half, but honestly, I got to go five stars. I had way too much fun with this movie not to give it five stars. It looks beautiful, too. It, look, it looks like a movie straight out of the seven. This is great. It I, looks I, fantastic. And we can't overrate enough the three leads in this movie. We can't overrate enough because, I mean, we know everyone knows Jamie Foxx is great. John Boyega is finally starting to get his due. He's fantastic. And Tayana Paris is so, so, so good in this movie. It's so funny. And... Look, it's just, it's, you can actually feel there, there is a, I guess from what I've seen, there is a eating chicken scene that you can actually feel them eating the food. And sometimes when you can feel that, you can, this, this movie feels like it's, you know, what they say shot on film. This feels like a very organic film and very entertaining so far. So I'm excited. I'm on the way to giving it four and a half to five, I think as well. So, yeah. And I won't say anything else because we kept jabber, jibber jabbering, but we haven't even really mentioned that the dialogue in this. There are so many funny lines in this movie, and they're fast. They come very fast. I want to watch this movie just to catch some of the lines. There are uh, not just from Jamie Foxx, but most of them are from Jamie Foxx's character. There are some such amazingly hilarious lines from from that character. Folks, if you're a fan of Paul Verhoeven, you're going to like the clone Tyrone because mm. there is a special Paul Verhoeven shout out. That's my little mini spoiler for the clone Tyrone. Again, that is on Netflix, I believe on. Yes, Netflix on Friday, July 21st. Eric Holmes has been silent throughout this entire segment. Are you excited? Is this the clone? Does this sound like a movie that you'd like, Eric Holmes? I'm yeah. for, I, okay. Well, I, I saw the trailer for this a while ago. 
And oh. it, I, I kind of had it marked on my head, but I didn't didn't get to watch it. Okay. But I, I, you said it comes out the 21st? Yes. Yeah. yeah. On Friday. I, I, I'll probably uh, pregame Oppenheimer with that. So okay. watch that. Then oh, go see okay. Oppenheimer. Okay, so is your your Netflix is back and working? Everything good? I can we have Netflix. Guess. I don't have my account. We have my brother's account here. Okay, so then so when they do the screener thing, it's not going on my thing because I don't have my account. It's it would have I, to be on my brother's okay. account. It, it, it's it's weird. It's stupid, but I, I'll I'll watch it when it comes out. Okay, sounds good. Okay, so again, that is they clone Tyrone, July twenty first. They did not clone Eric Holmes because he is back on the scene to talk about odd hours, no pay cool hat i don't even know i did not put it but when it's out is it out right now tell us about this doc should people check it out eric holmes yes uh this uh comes out it, uh, well it says july 27th um it should okay probably probably be out this weekend i think uh maybe Wait, july 20- may, may, maybe Wait, july, did you say did you say july 27th it said it says that on imdb i don't think that's i think it's playing select theaters and then uh playing in uh uh you know what let me just look up the thing but either way, um, while I'm looking that up, I'll explain what odd, odd hours, no pay, cool hat is. Uh, it's basically a documentary about volunteer fire uh, fire departments. Um, the, the most of it takes place in Exeter, Nebraska, which is about an hour and a half from where I grew up at. So that was kind of cool. Never been to Exeter, but I know it's nearby. And it's basically just uh, shows how volunteer fire departments work, um, especially in small towns where they don't have many people and what it takes to become a volunteer fire department uh, worker. There's not a lot more to explain. The, the, the documentary itself does that, but if you at all like uh, uh, fire uh, firefighters and respect them, it's, uh, this kind of shows what they have to go through to, be able to help people and how they kind of uh, take bits out of their lives to be able to do so. Cause they're not getting paid for what they do. Uh, directed by Gary Matoso and Cameron Zahori. And I have a pretty lengthy interview with them coming up. Um, and we kind of get more into that, but it's a pretty cool doc. Um, you know, it's not gonna, uh, it's not life changing, but I think a lot of people might appreciate it. Okay, so that's odd hours, no pay, cool hat. I'm actually looking right now on their website. It's been screening around town, so it's you're just gonna have to go to the actual website, oddhoursfilm.com. I'll have it actually on our show notes where you can find this. Yeah, it has volunteer open opportunities. You can be a volunteer firefighter. I'll also be posting up the in Eric's interview as well shortly. And yeah, it should be interesting. And who knows, maybe either Bruce and I or I will actually see the documentary as well. We have the link and we'll tell you guys what we think. And it, Eric, you want to rate it? You want to rate the documentary just for the. Yeah. The yeah. I'll, I'll probably give it a, a, a three and a half. This is like, a, you know, if, if if you're not at all interested in firefighters, then I guess this probably won't do anything for you. But there, I mean, there's still there's still a lot of cool stuff about it. Like uh, for one of uh, one example, there's a guy that uh, that really wants. And we talk about this in the, the interview, so I won't go too deep into it. But, he, you know, he really wants to be a firefighter, but his religion won't allow him to shave his beard. Well, you have to, because otherwise the uh, respirator you put on doesn't seal. You can't you can't go into a fire without a respirator on because then we're going to have to start pulling you out of there because, you know, it's not going to work properly. But that doesn't mean you can't work for the volunteer fire department. And there was a whole thing of how, like, OK, you can't shave your beard. You can't do this part of the job. 
that doesn't mean you don't have value. We can find other work for you and other ways for you to work for the fire department. And those ways um, were actually uh, just as helpful as pulling people out of buildings. And yeah, it, it's pretty cool. Actually, maybe we should go for So I'll go three and a half, but I I think for a lot of people, uh, then they might get a lot more out of this than they might think otherwise. Okay. So that is, again, odd hours, no pay, cool hat. Hopefully, I think it's going to be a cool documentary. I'm going to actually give this one a shot to see if it's any good. Now, unfortunately, here's the bad news. I don't know if Bruce Perky or maybe Eric Holmes got the memo when they, I don't, Eric Holmes, did you see Smile? I forgot if you saw Smile. Did you see Smile? I did. Yes. Okay. I th- if I recall, you and Bruce did not enjoy Smile. I love Smile. Did you guys enjoy Smile? Anyone of you guys? I liked it. I, I wasn't like head over heels about mm-hmm. it but mm-hmm. again smiles like one of those conjuring type movies that i don't really respond to okay. but okay. i do respond respond to kyle gellner so okay yes that's what i that's what i meant okay so bruce per, perky are you uh were you a fan of smile or not so much i was like kind of middle of the road on it as well like okay. it was kind of too generic but it was all right okay no no i'm too generic kyle <laughs> gellner is is the man we all love dinner in America. Did you not the edict from, from high above Bruce Perky? We, every single Kyle Gallner film after dinner in America gets not just a pass, but a complete four and a half to five star banger moving forward. And, and it's just the way, and obviously I'm going to let you guys that train pass with smile. Cause that was a huge hit, but now we are on the mother. May I pat the passenger bandwagon, actually the passengers, Eric Holmes, he's, he's seen that as well. He'll talk about it maybe next week, very quickly about the movie. If it's a, might be uh, two weeks, but yeah, we'll, weeks, we'll, we'll be doing it pretty soon. Okay. Yeah. We'll be doing it. Uh, since, since you brought it up. Said, yes. Since you brought okay, it up, keep an eye out for passenger. Okay. Keep an eye out for passenger. Interesting. Interesting. So with that said, with that bias, I'm I'm in I'm infusing a scarlet hex scarlet witch hex on both of you to give Mother May I starring Kyle Gallner and Holland Roden five stars four and a half stars at the worst four stars Bruce Perky take it away it's what is this movie about am I wrong in in bringing this edict on onto uh, both of you Mother Mother May I uh, directed <laughs> by do I have the name right I never get these names right Lawrence Venicelli uh, sounds right yeah yeah. Lawrence Vincelli, okay. yeah. Okay. Writer, director. Good. That's all right. Um, and you have Kyle Gallner playing Emmett, and you have Holland Ro- Holland Roden playing Anya. And they're pretty much it's not a full two-hander, but there's only a couple side characters that barely come in this movie. It's pretty much a two-hander. And the basic concept is Emmett's mom has just recently died, and in like really recently died. And he is going to go with his um, girl. I think they're girlfriend. I don't think they're married. I remember. It's already forgotten. They, they, uh, might, they might be married because they're trying to have a baby. That's so, true. They're maybe. trying to have a baby. So, and then they're going off to uh, this house. Presumably, they're going to go kind of check out the, you know, the estate that he's inherited and and put it up for sale. That's kind of the basic concept of them going out there. And they're going to be staying there for a little while while they kind of you know, go through it and get the orders and ready and all this kind of stuff. They're about to be married. They're fiance. Sorry, Bruce fiance. There you go. So we were both kind of right (laughs) there. Yeah. Um, And you immediately find out that these two have kind of an interesting relationship in that um, she will kind of do this thing where they will sit down at a table and they'll put on a timer and they'll kind of psychoanalyze each other 
And they'll also do this thing where they roll reversal, where they'll set the timer and they'll say, I'm you. And then she'll say things, and then he'll have to respond as her, and then vice versa. Sometimes they'll respond as themselves. And it's basically supposed to kind of dive deep in their characters and figure out what's happening and what's causing their anxiety at the moment. And all of this is going to play around the fact that he is to some degree haunted by the memory and presence of his mother who may have abandoned him when he was a child. So that's kind of the, 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 the premise around the whole thing. And from there on, it's kind of this odd, I guess I would say psychological, not really a thriller, psychological drama with twisty elements. There's definitely a a middle act. And this is where, Eric, I want to get your feet. There's a weird change that happens in the middle act. And it goes for the whole middle act to the point where one character doesn't know if the other character is even that person anymore. And you as as a viewer aren't sure if that person is that person anymore. It's, it's a real odd movie. I'll just leave it at that for now. All right. What do you think? Uh, I think this is uh, very similar to cobweb, but like the good version. Um, uh, uh, What? (laughs) (laughs) Which means Greg would hate it. (laughs) So first of all, Holland Roden is fantastic in this, Uh, you know, she plays, you know, Anya, but she also plays the, the, other character that she may or may not be i, I, I guess we're talking around it but I, I saw the trailer for this and this was pretty front and center on what the what the movie was about so i think yeah, i didn't know it was coming i was just watching it going like, oh, yeah so, so maybe, huh. maybe maybe we'll talk a bit around it but she like uh oh what was that what was that movie we just watched um the play in world war ii yeah oh um um love gets i was a gonna room. Yeah. Love, yeah love gets a room kind of how love gets a room they're acting a certain way and then they just ch- turn on a dime as they as they leave the stage um there's not really that turn on a dime but holland uh holland roden definitely plays two characters in this and she does it quite well because like you know her voice doesn't change but her cadence changes the stuff she says it changes so I, you would have to think that a lot of that that credit also goes to the writing um kyle gallner is always awesome and uh, no different here and just watching the two of them play off each other is really great in fact uh kyle gallner going uh kind of just uh insane like just he's like slowly losing it over what he's uh, what holland's doing to him um yeah this this is a really really good yeah you're kind of right it's not exactly a psychological thriller but that's probably the best yeah probably, it's probably the best you can say about it it's too slow burn to be really a thriller though right yeah i mean it's it's psychological but, but it's again, almost like, like psychological emotional horror. <laughs> but again, like the the slow burn in this, where the slow burn works in this, where it doesn't and stuff like Cobweb, um, I'm still invested in the characters. I'm still invested yeah. in their relationship. When they do slight, subtle things to each other, it means everything. Whereas in something like Cobweb, it's just kind of spinning its wheels for 20 minutes and I don't care. Like this one is like the, you know, the... Uh, relationship moves forward, the characters move forward, the story moves forward, even if it's doing it at a subtle pace. Mm. Oh, and and the the ending to this, fantastic. Uh, there's a there's a uh, there's a thing that happens. It's not like a real like a real big huge moment, but emotionally it is. And w- um, when that happens, 
Actually, that that's another thing. All this stuff they set up pays off in the rest of the movie. Like they, you know, just kind of one off. Th- like, oh, I can't swim. Okay, no big deal. But then it pays off in like huge emotional ways. They kind of uh, kind of helps along with the story. Um, yeah, there's. Yeah, this is a good one. This is a good one. Bruce, you agree with the ending? It uh, resonant. Did it strike you? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty up on this movie too. I don't think I'm super, super high on it because it's, it's just, a, it's, I need a, a little slog? more life in it, a little more life in it. Okay. It was very, 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 it was just in the emotions the whole time a lot. <laughs> was, it, was it too cerebral uh, at times or? Yeah, it just, it just, it's just kind of like, um, uh, it's definitely humorless. Yeah, I was, rel- was going to say relentlessly heavy. Uh, and I sometimes that, that works for me a little differently. I did, it would work for me, but it didn't give me exuberance. For example, we're going to talk about Bo's Afraid next week, but very similar mommy issues. But that movie is like all kinds of crazy and, and you either love it or hate it, but you're not going to be like, oh, it was good. <laughs> but this movie was like, I think this movie was elevated like a lot by the acting. And I'm not usually a big like, hey, the acting makes this movie, but in this movie... It kind of does. Okay. I would also say for anyone that saw Bo is Afraid, this had, uh, like you said, there's a lot of similar DNA as far as the story goes. Um, I think this does it a lot more concisely. It says a lot of the similar things more concisely Definitely than Because <laughs> uh, Bo is Afraid, I don't know if you know, this three hours long. This one, what, like hour and 20, hour and a half, somewhere around there? Yeah. And, and, I will and, not it, argue, argue with that either at all. No, this Mother May I is 99 minutes, Eric Holmes. I hashtag, I, I'm always going for, for the hot take. Hashtag Eric Holmes hot take. Let's bring it back. Is Mother May I a better film than Bo is Afraid? Oh, uh, I love her. Um, that, that, that's, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's huh? another topic huh? entirely. Um, oh, uh, 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 but I, I will say I like this more than Bo is afraid, but there, that, that's like, that's like comparing Schindler's list to super troopers. Like <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah. They're way they're, the okay. The tones are completely different from each other. Super true. I'm kidding. I was going to say super troopers. Well, or, actually, if you look yes, at yes. super troopers and you think about the <laughs> symbolism. Now, okay. Let's go to ratings for mother. May I, again, this movie comes to theaters and on VOD specifically on July 21st. Actually, on our websites, you, uh, we, I will put up links where you can purchase or rent it. The The commission goes to all four of us here at Cinematics. Yes, er- Eric and Bruce and me and Anderson. Anderson still gets a cut because he is still part of the group. I don't care what he says. You are still a part of the familia. Do you guys agree, Eric and Bruce? Yes. He's still part of the family? Yeah, we have not jumped him out. He's still in. The only reason why, Anderson, I hope you're listening to this and not watching a Spielberg film. The only reason why I'm saying this to you, that you're part of the family, is Bruce and Eric demanded it. I've wanted you out from the get-go. Correct, Eric Holmes? No. No. How you? How dare you tell the truth? Okay, so Mother May I. Ratings. Let's go for it. Bruce? I'm going to go three and a half. For me, it's three and a half. But Solid I can easily see this going four to four and a half for people who just are vibing with it. What's my rating, Bruce? You're probably... You might be four and a half with this one. You might really, really dig this one. Okay, I'll see. I'll check it out. Maybe I'll check it out right after they clone Tyrone. Oh, my God. You got to watch they clone Tyrone. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Eric Holmes, I can't wait till he sees it. Eric um, Holmes, mother may I? I'm kind of the same. I'm like a, a really enthusiastic three and a half, almost a four star. Uh, the one problem I did have with mother may I mm-hmm. is I saw Passenger first. Another Kyle Gellner movie that we'll be watching, uh, we'll be talking about uh, within the next coming weeks. Okay. Watch out for that one. But Mother May I is definitely very good. And uh, yeah, this could, another rewatch, this could be four, four and a half. 
Okay. And lastly, and this is just a selfish question for me at 99 minutes, did it drag for either of you? Because when I think of almost two handers in 99 minutes could be, is that prohibitive, Bruce, Eric, does it bore you at all? Or it's, it's cool. It's, it's fine. No, uh, for me, the, uh, again, like I mentioned that it does opposite of cobweb, the, the characters, yeah. their don't, don't, relationship don't do continues to develop. Yeah. The story continues to develop, so there's always something interesting happening and in moving, Co- the, pushing things forward. Cobweb is a lyrical, poetic look at a boy's unhinged life, thanks to his really abusive parents and the behind the walls. And can this Mother boy overcome? I is the better version of that. <laughs> okay, final ruling from Eric Holmes. Let's see if we have any other featured films for this week. Oh my gosh, we are finished, and we are making one last push. For the box movie, but before we get to the box, Peter Beta, you were going to drop the beat, and unfortunately, some people, old people like me and Anderson, we, we like our, our our beats a little bit lower and more mellifluous. Bruce, what did Peter Beta and the crew from the middle class film class just kindly do? What what did Pete do so nicely for us within last week? Well, instead of dropping the beat or rocking the beat, he's just gently rolling the beat across the floor to you guys because you you need that at your age next to your rocking chair so pete please smooth that beat remove your hand from the box and you die what's in the box guys we're back for some reason i thought you were gonna say slop that beat slop that beat you know slop a little slop noise thank you again peter beta middle class film class check them out they how many episodes do they do every week they do two episodes per week bruce you're you're good at they, that they do they do they two do yeah. episodes per week quiz. unless well lately they've been doing also the um the quiz stuff uh trivia show so. yeah uh, yeah bruce and eric participated eric you did pretty well in the quiz show right didn't you do the quiz you yeah did, you yeah did the the latest one i was on uh just came up friday i think mm-hmm. yeah yeah so I, uh i may be going to the finals that may have been my last one so you never know you gotta you gotta listen to find out okay well listen to middle class film class find out if cinematics co-host eric holmes makes it to another round now, for this box movie, it is a movie chosen by Eric Holmes, watched by Eric again, I believe. And Bruce, Eric, what is this movie that Bruce had to pick from the box? What is it? Tell us about it. So this is, um, I don't know if you would call it a movie. I don't know if you would call it a documentary. It's a social experiment, I guess would be the best way to put it. It's called Darren Brown, uh, The Push or uh, Push to the Edge. They're both the same thing. Uh, for Netflix, it was called The Push. and It was on there for a long time, and apparently it's not on there anymore. But you can still find it online. Um, basically, Darren Brown is a magician. Uh, usually does a lot of mentalism. Uh, anyone familiar with him would know that he kind of does the the pen and teller thing where he has the, uh, you know, he'll, he can do these magic tricks, these mentalism tricks, but he doesn't try to say this is real. He tries to kind of uh, pull the curtain behind it saying this is this is what uh other charlatans do and pass off as real and here's me doing the same thing i guarantee you these are all tricks i do not have any you know i do not i'm not able to talk to the dead so on and so forth but what this is a little different than what he's normally used to because in this one he's interested in social compliance 
and how far you can push someone. Hence the uh, title. It opens up with uh, someone calling a, a, I believe it's like a coffee shop or a restaurant of some sort. And uh, they're uh, Darren Brown and the person on the phone is looking at the, you know, they found their mark and they're looking at this guy and they have a, a actress, you know, a lady and she's pushing a baby stroller in and they, they call it the coffee shop. And it's like, Hey, there's a blah, blah, blah there. Go get them. And they're like, okay. Answers the phone. It's like, yes. Uh, just uh, look, look behind you. There's a lady uh, with a baby carriage. Yes. Okay. I'm with the blah, blah, blah police. And uh, she is a kidnapper. We need to, we're about to arrest her. We need you to take the baby to safety. Please grab the carriage and leave. Um, she'll be looking away and go now. And it's like, uh, uh, okay. And here's this guy pushing this baby carriage out of the thing, you know, just because some random stranger told him. And then, so he wants to see how far can we push this? Can we push someone to murder by way of social compliance? And that's the, that's the whole setup that I think, uh, once they get to the, the, the pushing the murder portion of it, it's about an hour long. Um, and they're just uh, little by little, just kind of, uh, Hey, do this instead of that, you know, little, little tiny things, uh, you know, put these flags on these, uh, vegan hot dogs that aren't vegan. Uh, I, okay. I guess so. You know, um, oh yeah, we didn't tell you this was a suit and tie thing. So you're going to seem more inferior. And then, you know, it, it just kind of slowly escalates into, until they get a guy up on the roof and can you push him off and kill him? You know, and that, that's kind of what it is. And I kind of, I've seen this a bunch of times. I love this. I don't know how ethically moral or yeah, that is how the question. ethically the moral questions. this is. Uh, uh, and we can get into that. And last week we told you, you know, watch it if you can, because we will be talking about some spoilers on this because you kind of have to. But I do want to hear what Bruce's take is on this. Yeah. And it's an easy watch. It's what is an hour and 10 minutes, I think something like the hour and eight minutes. It's yeah. The opening is like 10 short. minutes long and the rest yeah. is about an hour long. Yeah. And it's following this. And it, we kind of didn't talk about it in the sense that um, they kind of create this elaborate setup. So, and they even weed down from a whole bunch of candidates. They try to get some that are, you know, kind of more likely to kind of work with them and they get it down to one dude. So there's essentially one dude. That's just a normal dude that got picked for this and everyone else is in on the the thing, the, the, the experiment, you could say. And um, yeah, I, I definitely want to talk about the ethics. The other thing I want to talk about is there's a basic, um, I guess, premise to this, which I think is pretty flawed, like uh, from a, like a scientific sociological point of view. And the basic premise is this, and I even wrote it down. So he talks about his premise is that people will readily hand over their decision-making to other people. That's the idea, right? And then they go to prove that. But the entire setup of this is, based upon an extremely elaborate conspiracy to get a person to easily give up their decision-making. So that right there is not reality. Like automatically you're putting in a situation that is not like the normal situation. Cause the fact that you're going to walk into a situation and maybe someone's trying to give you social compliance, right? Everyone else in the room is not going to have an elaborate conspiracy to get you to the point that they want to get you to. It's going to be one person on the phone and, and other people nearby might be like, wait, what's going on? Oh no, that don't do that. That's a scam. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of factors that are not taken into account in the basic setup of this movie. And the other thing that really got me about that was they purposely try to pick people who are more compliant. Yeah. So that also isn't like necessarily reality. So part of this experiment should be, 
right out of the gate, how many people out of, I don't know, a thousand are very compliant. It's because so you have an idea like right out of the gate, like, well, who's going to be likely to do this in the first place? Because there were some people, they showed one person who literally wouldn't do the basic compliance out of the gate. They just didn't do it. So that made it kind of weird too. But all that into account, the truth is some people will be compliant and some people could really go along this line and keep going. And I, here's the ethical things that I asked about. And I'm sure you have the same thoughts is there are multiple things along here, which may psychologically damage the people who are being experimented on with this thing after the fact, like how are these, I, I was wanted to see an interview with this, these people that were all involved because there's more than just the one guy. We do see a little bit of other people that also were kind of involved in it and they kind of throw those away. Like, I would like to see those people all interviewed about this experience, you know, a year later. Like, what do you think about that, Eric? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so as far as the, uh, there's definitely that, that, that came to mind, but also so that, um, and just to get into spoilers, the main guy that you follow on this ends up not pushing him off. He, he, right. he flat right. out refuses it then. And then, uh, cuts to Darren Brown and it's like, but he wasn't the only one we tested. And they have like right. three or four other people and every one of them put ended up pushing them off the building. So then I'm watching this going, okay, I know this is all set up. I know this is fake, but they don't know that. Are they murderers? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that, that I guess brings it back to the ethical thing of, uh, Hey, we just put out this, uh, we just put out this, uh, TV special or Netflix thing. Um, showing you you know and granted um maybe i'm put in the same position do i do that i don't know uh because it, it's easy to watch something like this and say oh i totally would have figured out that that was a fake body or oh yeah this totally seems like it's set up but i know that because i'm watching this i'm watching the setup so right you know i'm, I'm prepared for that if you're just living your day-to-day -day life you don't know that everyone around you is an actor, you know, playing against you to make you do a thing. But, but also I, I think um, you're right. The the science isn't exactly scientific and I don't know how you would, would do something like this. It's more of an ex, uh, I guess a social experiment than it is actual, you know, actual right. science. But I mean, it's trying to kind of give you the feeling like it's trying to say like, well, look, almost everybody is going to commit murder if they're put in the situation. And I think that's the false, like, so, the false premise out of it you know the, we don't know that that's it could be true and it could not be true we don't know because there's no yeah. good experiment showing us so the 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 i guess the premise i'm getting from it is i'm putting myself in the main guy's position and i'm trying to say now if i don't know this if i'm in his position trying to put myself in his position how far do i take this do i even uh, do i even you know stand up when the other people are standing up when the bell goes off do i even get that far do I uh, right. do I put the flags on the vegan hot dogs because you know I'm I'm not vegan but I think that's wrong to you know if someone wants to be vegan it's probably wrong to have them eat and plus you know health issues and stuff like would I do the things that they did leading up to the murder let let you know that that are also morally wrong let alone the murder itself which is obvious um, would would I would I kick a dead body. <laughs> Right, right. To make it that look like it fell yeah. downstairs, which is, but uh, yeah, that I, I'm absolutely with you. I would love to see an interview with like all the the people that actually went through this and see, because yeah. I think that I think the main guy kind of kind of went away because he didn't he didn't do 
he didn't do the murder. But the the four people, three or four people then, especially the one guy that pushed it and he turns around, he's kind of like smiling like, I did it. I did it. I'm like, yeah, oh, this is not his first time. Well, <laughs> and I also I thought about this. Isn't it kind of socially irresponsible to show the one guy who didn't do it? Like, don't you almost have to show one of the people who did do it? To really show like the effect of what that person, so you follow that person all the way through because they kind of really just shrug them off other yeah. than to say like, oh, other people did do it. Most other people, they, it's like this, it's like, here's the good guy. So you can kind of feel good about it because he didn't do it in the long run. Right. But here's the little gut punch at the end. A three out of four did it. So three quarters of all people are going to commit murder is kind of the impression they try to give yeah. you. And we're not going to really talk about it. Oh, and after the fact, we're going to show it. Just a little clip that shows it makes it look like, ah, ha, 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 it was just a joke, guys. And, and then they're laughing in the moment because they're on camera. What are they doing that night? Are they crying in the shower, you know, about how they killed somebody? I mean, I, I, could, I, I could absolutely, like, just see watching this on, you know, they, like, oh, yeah, because uh, Darren Brown's really sweet to the people. Like, when he talks to them, it's like, oh, yeah, don't worry. This was this was all on us. Like, I've seen interviews with them. It's like, this is all on us. You know, you had no control over that, and we don't judge you on that. And, you know, so he's real good about saying stuff like that. But at the same time, a month later, this comes on Netflix, and you're watching it. And then you're laying yeah, you're, in bed alone going, I'm a, I'm a murderer. I'm a murderer. What, what about when you're – how about – your boss sees this. Yeah. <laughs> Your boss sees that you push somebody off a roof when you were given the option, you know, or hmm, maybe that guy that turned around and smiled a little bit, that one that you were a little bit wor- worried about. Yeah. Hey, maybe a year later we hear that uh, Darren Brown has some guy enter his house and take and knock him off because he put him through this, you know, oh, so it's, there's a, there's so a lot this of wrong was, things. This about was the this. first time. This was just the trigger. That's like, you know, when yeah. I killed someone, I had such a rush. I wonder what it's like for real. It'll be one of those, um, uh, what are they, uh, ID network shows about this guy who killed 10 people. And what started it all? He was on the bush. <laughs> you know, it's like, that was the yeah. first thing. I, 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 I do love this, but it, it's definitely, at best, it's ethically <laughs> ambiguous i guess (laughs) um ethically um at worst it's you're right at worst it's absolutely irresponsible but i i think it it does bring up a bunch of questions and i mean it exists so i'm gonna watch it and you know i like i think i think watching stuff like this can um if you can kind of put yourself into the characters that it kind of helps question your own ethics and morals what would i do in this situation i think that's kind of the overall overall message yes. of this okay so it was streaming on netflix where did you guys find it this time around bruce daily motion is that where it's at? um that's where yeah I found it. and yeah that's where we found it i don't even know how <laughs> i don't even know if this exists as a viable form at any point i think it's just one of those things that doesn't exist right now so i, I wonder if they took it down for that reason it's like Maybe. Oh, we, we've been getting letters from the people and the thing they i mean really don't want it is a fascinating there. Yeah, it's fascinating to watch. I mean, it's definitely interesting to watch for sure. All right. So that is Darren Brown, The Push. And it is, there's on Google Doc, it says not streamable anywhere right now. Bruce, what's your rating on it? Um, I'm going to give it four stars only because it doesn't tell me enough about the actual science of what people would do in really how people work in those situations to make it five stars. So I'll give it four stars. Mostly four just star. it's great entertainment. Okay, cool. Great entertainment. Eric Holmes, your rating on the, this? Uh, five. I've seen this like 20 times. Oh, my gosh. Eric <laughs> Holmes, he's pushing 
for the push. Check it out. Tell us what you guys think of it once you find it streaming someplace. Before we go, I did not rem- I did not forget you have a what? Wait, do we not have a? We don't have a what's in the box next week because it's our two hundredth episode. Anderson's gonna but be. But I can here. push it for the next week. Yeah. Oh, you can push it. You I can, can push it for two hundred one. Yeah, push it for two hundred one. Pull it for pull it now. So then. You know, Anderson doesn't have to sit and listen to me shake this box while he's here. All right, there you go, there you go. What's in the bleeping box for episode one? He needs to have a comfortable chair. He needs to make sure the audio doesn't bother him. Doesn't you know agitate Mm -hmm. his nerves? He's very, he's a very sensitive soul. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can see him right now get really pissed. (laughs) (laughs) What do I got? What do I got? What do I got? Uh, Anderson's going to push Bruce off the building, (laughs) but he's going to check and make sure he doesn't have a harness on him before he does it. Bumble's bounce. Um, oh, I've never watched this movie. It's been out forever. Well, since two thousand nine. Yes, you got that. Uh, Thirst by Chanwook Park. Oh, I've never sweet. watched that movie. So much. Oh, I who who uh, gave it to you? You but oh, it doesn't say anybody. So it's probably someone was talking about it. And I thought I need to see that movie. So. Okay, so Thirst. All right, that's going to mean a couple of weeks. Chanwook Park, or is that the, the name? The guy? Yeah. So mm-hmm. should be interesting. Thirst should be interesting. That check that out in two weeks, and then for our two hundredth episode. Expect Anderson to join us once again. Final couple of thoughts, Eric Holmes. Uh, looking forward to Anderson next week. Um, and again, passengers uh, or passenger with Kyle Gallner. Uh, keep an eye out. Okay, you will not out. be disappointed. Or right, at least Bruce. I won't be. Okay, I, Bruce, you're leading us out, Bruce. I'm just going to say, don't let they cloned Tyrone get lost in the the immense sea of Netflix, because it'll probably appear on your top page for a day and then be gone. So look for that one. All right, guys, we will see you next week on our 200th episode of Cinematics. Thank you guys for hanging out with us since 2015. Hopefully another, we'll be doing this for quite, quite many years to come. Right, Bruce? Until we're what, 100? Eric, 100, 101? <laughs> Can we do it? At least until we're 199 years old. I'll be doing this for another 15 years, and then you guys will be doing it without me. <laughs> I'm going to stop at 69. I'll be 100. We'll see you guys next week here on Cinematics. <laughs> <laughs>